Well, we finish up our last two verses here in Jude tonight. In verses uh, 24 and 25, we said there were four parts here he gave us to keep us, to build ourselves up, to get ourselves ready. The first ones we looked at last week was build yourself up on your most holy faith, that we need to take what we have and add to it. That word there for build meant to build upon something. And praying in the Spirit is one way. Having that communion with God is, a, is another. But there, there needs to be something productive. It's not prayer that just asks God for things. It's prayer that communes with God. It's prayer that stirs up your spirit. Praying in the Spirit, these are the things we need to do. Keep yourself in the love of God. We went over that there are lesser loves, but don't be distracted or deceived. Don't get into those spheres. Stay within the sphere of the love of God. We saw that we need to make a distinguish. They're distinguished between those needing compassion and the others who need to be snatched. And we are able to distinguish between those who need a who need compassion and those who are beyond it by being aware of their description. Jude gives description, other places give descriptions, by being tuned into the spirit and by being built built up on the true faith. By being strong ourselves, we are not easily overcome. If we stay needy, it is is to or to stay needy is to remain an easy target. Now we're getting to the fourth part here, and uh, we can call this you run that's not in your outline, but you can write this in there if you want solid footing. And we'll show you why that that is here. So he starts off this this verse. We're just going to look here at the, the beginning part. Now to him who was able to keep you. This word here for keep is fulaso. It means to keep by way of protection. It is not tereo, which we're looking at in the above verse, in verse 21, which is to watch over, preserve, keep, watch. But fulaso is to keep by way, of, is, is also to keep by way of protection, and there's some similarities there. So I did a deep dive on this, on this word to, uh, to check this out, and I found uh, oh, I didn't write it down. I think there were 16 different words that vine shows are translated keep. That's a lot of words. It doesn't mean that the Greek has 16, actually it might be 18, that are translated keep. If you looked at vines, pulled that up. So I went over all of the words that are translated for keep and narrowed, narrowed my focus in on a couple of them. Because of what this particular word is meaning and what this, how this particular word is used. So again, the word here is fulaso. That is the word here that he, that he uses. This is a word he did not use. Dia fulaso. This is a strengthened form. It's often translated to guard, but it's not used here. We are not under guard. We are watched. There's a difference between being under guard and being watched. Then there is for 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 ro rail. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a fun one right there to pronounce. To keep with a military guard. This is a step up from the last one. So there's a progression here on these particular words. The progression of these particular words goes from submission to up to ruled over. 
We go from submission to to rule to up to rule over. The last one is a, a military guard to be to be kept with a military guard. There's a there's a ruling over that is there. The word Jude chooses implies a lot of submission on our part. We're going to show you why this is. This particular verse is talking about the certainty of God's ability to protect us. He says again, let me read this this over to him who is able to keep you. He is able. There is no doubt about the able. Able there is from the Greek word, you all are real, real familiar with this one, dunamai. It means to be able to have power, whether by virtue of one's own ability and resources, or of a state of mind, or through favorable circumstances, or by permission of law or custom. These are all the things that would per- permit that. But dunamai is to be able. That's why it's translated here in this to him who is able to keep you. This is him signing off. To him who is able to keep you. Now the word here, keep you, it's not the more general word that is translated preserved in Jude chapter 1. That's a very general word to preserve. This one is is narrowing the focus a little bit. So I went through some of the uses. This particular word, phulaso, is used 30 times in the New Testament. So in doing a deep dive on this, I also went back and looked in the Septuagint. I looked at the Septuagint, how the Septuagint used this particular word compared to all the other words that they could have translated with this. So I gave you, I just wrote down three of the New Testament references here. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. They were keeping watch over the sheep over the flock that was there. That's one place that this is used. You'll see this word used a lot for the keeping of keeping watch. In Luke 8:29, this one threw me for a bit. Looking at this, what I was pulling out on this word, it didn't quite seem to, to mesh when I was first looking at this, but then I I figured it out, dawned on me. For he had command commanded the unclean spirit, this is Jesus dealing with the demoniac, to come out of the man, for it often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds, and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. So this is a, a man who has a spirit in order to, in order to keep him under control and keep watch. This word is used. This word is used for he was kept under. Guard. Now, when I first saw that, I'm looking at this and said, "All right, I would use one of the stronger words there." Why does this word use? Why does it? Why does um, Luke use this word that seems, as far as I can tell, and as far as I studied this this word out, it has more submission to it than the other words. The other words that we looked at, the other two we gave you that are strength and forms. There's more of a guard. Then we get all the way up to a military guard. You get into a military guard. You don't have any choice. You are staying under that guard. But the sheep have a choice of staying underneath the shepherd. They just decide that it's better to stay underneath the shepherd. So I was looking at this and says, well, this looks more like a military guard. Why would we use this particular word in a situation where the guy's handcuffed? And then it dawned on me. The reason that this word is used over the other words is because this guy's submission came into play. As long as he decided that he wanted to stay under the bonds or the spirits didn't take over, he stayed underneath his bonds. But as soon as he decided, or as soon as the spirits took over, that he wasn't going to be, bam, he's out of there. 
and he would snap their handcuffs and he would run off in the wilderness. So the only way that he would stay under guard was when he decided to. So then it made more sense when I saw that. In Matthew 19, verse 20, the young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? This word is used in all three times this story is told. Mark 10, 20, Luke 18, and 21. We have the same word that is being used. Three different authors all using the exact same word. And again, they have over a dozen to pick from. That's pretty good selection. So I said, all right, so if this word has more submission to it, how is this word fitting in this context? I, I went through all of them, and I brought out some of the more difficult ones. There's other ones in there that are a lot easier. I, I wanted to show you the difficult ones. This man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? As Jesus told him, you know the commands, and he rattled off a few of them. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? So the law was keeping was keeping him by him keeping the law. So that's where the submission was. When he submitted to the law and kept it, then the law was keeping him. So there still is a keeping with a submission that is there. Tereo, which is the one we saw earlier in, in verse 21 and also earlier in, it's, it's used in other places there in Jude. One who is very active and involved in guarding, keeping the thing. When you see the word tereo, it is one who is very active and very involved in the guarding and keeping of the thing. Keep yourselves in the love of God. You have to be very active, very involved in that. When fulaso comes into play, it implies more of a submissive role of that which is being protected. Now, in order to get to that, I went through the Septuagint. And I looked at some of the places where the Septuagint took this word. And I'll give you one of the cases. There were a number of cases I looked at. But one of the cases was when Adam was told to keep the garden. The people who translated the Old Testament into the Greek chose this word for keep. Because there was a submission involved. Adam needed to be submitted to the things that God told him to do. There was a submission that had to come into play. When Adam came out of that submission is when they had the problems with keeping. So it seems like that when this word is being used, there is a form of submission. Now, I told some of the people that were here earlier, I parted ways with a very influential teacher on this. I read uh, Brother Rick Renner's discussion on this word, and he and I are on different camps. Now, it's, I don't make this, mention this all the time, but very often I have found myself in a different camp, not very often, but a number of times, I have found myself in a different camp with Brother Rick on Greek words. He finds some things that I cannot verify, and so I don't always use the things that he has. Now, I'm not saying that he's wrong. I'm just saying I can't verify it. I have to verify things in two or three sources before I'll ever bring them out here to you. Uh, if I can only verify it in one source, then I usually just say, well, so-and-so says this, and just let you know there's just one, one source on this. But I went through in this word, and I covered a number of different... Uh, I, I spent a lot of time studying out this one word. <laughs> Beginning last night, and tearing it apart, and get into it again here this morning, just to understand this one word, I went through a bunch of verses, I went through a bunch of Septuagint topics, just to get this. And it seems that the, the more I got into this word, the more I uh, differed 
from Brother Rick on this because Brother Rick puts this in the league of a more, uh, a stronger word for keep. One of the words is more of a military guard. In fact, I believe he uses that. But uh, it would seem to me that this word doesn't carry that, that other words would carry it. So I put those other words in there for you. And let's read this, this part here over again. To him who was able to keep you, so it is to keep by way of protection, but there is a submission. To him who is able to keep you. For what we are talking about in this particular verse, the keeping that God will do depends on a submission from us to him. He can keep us, as this word is discussing, when there is a level of submission between us and him. If we break that level of submission, the protection that is spoken about here is lost. To him who is able. His ability is not lost. The keeping is what is lost. You just keep, a, keep that in mind. We, haven't, we don't change God's ability by our submission. But I, ch- I change his ability to be able to do so. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. This is another fun word. I spend a bunch of time on this one. I think most of my, my time was spent on the first part of this first verse here uh, for this one. But this one is ap, 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 test, pet, I can't even say it now. Boy, I had this down here before. Aptestus. Ap, Aptestus. It, it is not stumbling. It is a standing firm. It is exempt from falling. What he is saying here is he is not just able to keep us from stumbling. He is able to keep us from ever falling. By him selecting this particular word, this is what he is saying in this. To him who is able to keep you from ever falling. Another way to put this is to keep you unfallen. I put that in quotes because that's not my, my uh, aspect. It's one of the people in Greek that I, I pull from. This is the only time in the New Testament this word is used. What's really fun is the Septuagint. I couldn't find a single instance this word was used in the Septuagint. I could barely find any time when this is used in classical Greek. This is not a well-used word. Jude has taken a word that apparently is not in common use. And he has taken that word and used it here. Now that's really going after a word. It would seem like there was a lot of other words that he could have used, but he chose this one, which has the the meaning, not stumbling, standing firm, exempt from falling. Keeping you, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could never fall? If you knew physically that you could never fall, how many of you would that change the way that you walk about in this world? You could never fall. Aren't we sometimes kind of careful about the way that we go? Because of the, because of the falling that can go on? I was out running this morning and when it was dark. It was, it was dark when I took off to, to go. And um, I learned a long time ago, when you go out and run in the dark, you go out with a light. So I have a headlamp that goes on there and it shines real brightly out there in front of me. Because I've had times when I've been running at nighttime 
And I said, I'm not going to buy one. I'm not going to spend the money on a, on a lamp like that. Other guys that were running at nighttime, they were having these headlamps, and they were good, and I, and I don't need that. And so um, one time I stepped into a hole and um, tumbled. Another time there was a stick, got caught in my legs, tumbled. There's another time a runner behind me got a little too close, got tangled in the legs, and I went and fell. This is at nighttime. So no matter what, if it's dark out, I take that little lamp, I put that lamp on my head, <laughs> and I go out with the, with the lamp because I don't like to stumble. If I knew I would never stumble, I wouldn't bother with that lamp because I don't like it. It's, it's uncomfortable. I don't like the lamp. I would, ju- I would go without it. It would change some of the ways that I would do things. There are things that would change the way we would go if I would know I would never stumble. Now, bring that into your own life. If, if I knew I could never stumble, I would be a lot freer in the things that I would listen to. Because I know, well, I can't ever stumble. But you see, I have a caution there because I know that I can stumble. And so it it makes me cautious as to who I listen to, what I receive, and so forth. I'm I'm careful about that because I don't want to go down a wrong direction. But what he's writing here is now to him who is able to keep you unfallen. You can actually translate it right in that way. He is able to keep you unfallen. But it it involves a certain amount of submission of me to him. This whole benediction here ties in together. And it ties in wonderfully. I don't know. I mentioned it in the the Facebook post. How many people saw the Facebook post? I put it up twice. Still didn't see it. (laughs) I put it up, I put it up last night. And then I went and put it up again there this morning. just to put it out there, because I went through the outline from, from last one, and I, I saw from the outline from, from the, back in 2006 when we did this, there was one line that I pulled, and that was the definition for keep. That's it. <laughs> that was the only thing, and there's nothing else in the outline from 2006 about these verses. I'm thinking, how in the world did we miss all that? So, so everything we're getting into today, we didn't get into last time. But it's important. I want us to be able to see it. So he says, to him who is able to keep you unfallen. This indicates protection against the dangers that he indicated earlier. This is the whole context of what he's talking about. He's talking about the people that were sneaking into the church, who crept into the church, and were bringing false doctrine, false things, and that people were listening to them and falling And their faith was becoming challenged because of this. He says he is able to keep you unfallen. If you're just looking at the context of Jude, his relationship here is it's not unfallen from sin, even though he is able to do that. And I think you could actually be okay with that broad of a definition. But what specifically he's talking about is the falling that would come from false teachers and false people in the body. He is saying to him who is able to keep you unfallen. I do not need to fear false teachers because he is able to keep me unfallen. In order for it to work, there must be a submission from me to him. If that submission is broken, 
then I will become fallen. And that's really what these false teachers try and do. They try and get you to, to try and break that submission to God. And they try and get you to be submitted, submitted to anything else as long as it's not that. So they're going to challenge some of the things that you know in the Word just a little bit. Just like they did in the garden. In the garden has God really said. And this is what he's, he's, he's telling you here. But he's, ta- he's taking it in a positive direction here now instead of the negative one. The God that we serve, he is able to keep you from ever falling. This word is exciting that he picked this word. Not a, never a very common word. Not one that any other New Testament writer has picked, but he picked it and put it in in there for us. Let's go on so we can see how this verse fits in with the rest of it. So now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now to present you faultless, the word there present is the Greek word histemi. It is to cause or to make stand, to place, put, or set. Now, TCBL. Have you ever heard me tell me about the big guns that I have next door? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. If you ever see me write TCBL in there, it's a whole lot better than trying to write out the um, the whole thing. But um, we'll just put it. If you ever see TCBL, and I put, I, I think I put two references of it in there. I may have scratched one of them for you, but I'll read it for you eventually. But when histame is used in relation to God, it means to set up or make valid. I thought that was, I didn't find this too many other places. This, this particular work, it's a conglomeration work of a lot of different uh, authors, and a lot of different experts on Greek. And in this one particular work, I can follow what was done in the classical Greek, I can follow what was done in the Septuagint, and I can follow what was done in the New Testament. And uh, it involves uh, sometimes a good bit of reading, but it's never not worth it. When histomy is used in relation to God, there's other times that it's used in relation to other things, but when it's used in relation to God, it means to set up or make valid. What he is saying here, and to present you faultless, he is saying that he is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you. When he brings you before God, he puts you up. He sets you up in front of God and makes you valid. That's what he is able to do. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. I can't stand on my own, but I can stand with him. And when I get to heaven, And I get before the presence of Almighty God. I'm not there by myself. He is there with me and He is making me stand. And He has the ability to make us valid in the presence of God. Now it goes on here to this word faultless. And to present you faultless. This word faultless is uh, a, a combination word. I think I left most of the definition in your, in your outline. Did I, did I leave you the combination? Or did I take that out? Uh, first off, it's a negative particle. particle, And the second part is uh, a word that means blemished. It is a negative particle in front of a word blemished. So what it means is unblemished 
without blame, blameless, fault spot, uh, uh, faultless and unblameable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unblameable. So when he uses this one, it is taking the word for blameless, putting a negative in front of it and saying, you, I'm sorry, uh, sorry, Bob, uh, fault, putting that in, in front, in front of, you, you are without fault. You are without blame. It is not there. It is gone. You are, that's why it's translated here, and properly so, you are faultless. A lot of times we get this picture that when we get brought up before the Father and we're standing there, that what he does is he says, all right, I know they got all this sin, they're a sinner, they're a terrible person, but... <laughs> but no, that's not what it's doing. What this picture that Jude is painting here, this is what we have to look forward to, is that God is going to take us, Jesus Christ is going to take us, he is going to present us, he is going to put us before the throne and make us valid and present us in such a way that we are without any fault. Hallelujah. <laughs> Now you say, how in the world is he able to do that? What he is telling you is here, he is able. It is within his very core, very in his very ability, that he has the ability to take us who are filled with faults, put us in front of the Father in all his glory. That hasn't come yet, but that's coming. In all his glory, stand us there and make our presence in that glory valid. Because he is able to present us without any fault at all. This is a powerful signing off. I mean, I, I wish Jude would have written more because he does more with a few words. <laughs> it's just amazing what he is able to do with this. So, faultless, without blemish, without fault, without blame. Much like a sacrifice would be without spot or blemish. And just like they were all through the Old Testament, constantly looking for the lamb without blemish, who was perfect. He's using that as an example. You spent all those years and you're able to spot the fault. And you were not to find a lamb who could be fixed. You were spotting a lamb who was without blame. For all those hundreds of years, from the time of the law of Moses until the time of Christ, they spent how much time looking at the lambs, looking at the sacrifice, and making sure that they didn't have any fault. They got to be experts on how to tell, is there any fault? Have you ever gotten to be an expert on how to tell if there's any fault on, on certain things? Certain things we can certainly tell. We get to, to handle them a lot. I notice this even with uh, in woodworking. And, you know, I, I do a lot of, I don't know how many boards I've sanded over the 20 or so years that we've been making bunk beds. It's been a lot. But I have developed a sense in my hands that even with gloves on, I have gloves on that I wear when I stain. That's the final end product. But I have gloves that I put on when I stain. Even with the gloves on and there's a sock over top of the glove for the stain, I can run my hand over the wood and tell if there is an imperfection in the wood. Just by running my hand over, I said, oh, wait a minute. There's something that's not supposed to be there. I don't mean I get a splinter and it puts it in my finger. That happens. That's easy. But sometimes I'm just going over and say, wait a minute. There's something that's not right on this piece. 
and I can find it because I developed the sensitivity in my hands, I can pick that out. I know how to tell the fault. Other people could pick that up and they, could, they wouldn't feel the same thing, but I can feel, the, feel that imperfection. I can sometimes hear something in the wood if it gets hit the right way. Wait a minute, I know what that is. I can hear, I can develop, you develop that. These people who developed with the sacrifices, they knew how to tell the imperfections of the lambs before the sacrifice. They knew what to look for. They could spot them just like that. Nope, nope, this one's no good. This one's fine. This one's no good. What he's saying here is that he is able to present you not as a lamb that was fixed because that was not acceptable, but one that is blameless. Boy, I'll tell you what, that's just a different picture sometimes than we get when we're going to heaven. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, in the body of his flesh, though through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. 1 Thessalonians 3.13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all saints. In, G- in verse 25, take a look at this. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So he is, read the whole thing, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. <laughs> now, I, I looked at everything that I could possibly look at. It seems that the exceeding joy is either on the part of God or the part of those that are in heaven. I know I'm going to be in exceeding joy too. But it does seem to be that the exceeding joy is all around. It's not just within the person. So, imagine this. You who see yourself with faults and blemishes are presented before Almighty God as without fault, not having any blemish. And all, all of them are excited to see you. How many read the comic on Sunday? Yeah. The guy up there showing up in heaven? And then uh, he's kind of saying that it's that saying to all the people there, you know, a little less shock and a little more glad to see you would be nice. <laughs> well, well, glory to God. What he is telling you here is that there's going to be joy all around. Look who's here. <laughs> there is going to be joy all around. Not, oh, they'd made it. <laughs> To God our Savior. This is where the presentation is done. To God our Savior, who alone is wise. We may think that we're wise. We may think that where there's wisdom that we have, we may think that there's good things that we've got. Nope. Whatever we got, it pales in comparison to our Father God. Who alone is wise. The word there for wise is, of course, the word sophos. We got our word sophomore from it. It is a general word for wisdom. It means wise, clever, skillful. Very general. He is wise in just about anything that you can figure out. He is wise. No matter what topic you pick out, no matter what topic you throw at him, he is more wise than anyone. Is what this is saying. Who alone is wise. Be glory. 
and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Well, to God be glory. This word glory here is a term for the visible display of God's attributes. That is the glory of God. The visible display of God's attributes. All the things that are God are visible there. Be glory and majesty. Majesty here, it is built from a word, from the word mega, which means greatness. It means the greatness of God. Majesty. Be glory and majesty. Dominion. This is the strength and might God has in this world. It is from the word kratos. It is used 12 times in the New Testament. I'm going to give you a couple of them here. In Luke 1.51, He has shown strength with His arm. He has shown kratos with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Ephesians 1.19 And what is the exceeding greatness of His power, dunamis, toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, kratos. According to the working of his mighty power, Kratos. We're not just talking about ability. We're talking about incredible strength that he has his Kratos. Uh, Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong and dunamo is the word there. Uh, another derivative of, of dunamos. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the Kratos, the power of his might. We are to be strong in the Lord and in the kratos, the power of his might. So when he reads this, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power. The word there for power is the authority God has in this world. It is the Greek word exousia. Authority, a power that is authoritative. Authority power. There is Kratos, which is a strength and a might. There is dunamis, which is an inward power. Uh, 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 a lot of times we think dynamite when we, we hear this word. And dynamite is called dynamite because the nature of the material is power. It's not, dunamis is not explosive power. It is in, uh, power that is innate in the, in the thing. Dynamite has that explosive ability. You have to have a fuse, you have to have a, a, a light to get it to, to explode. It doesn't just explode on its own normally. But it has that, that nature to it. Now we tie this all together here. If the understanding of this benediction is true in our lives, if the understanding, if what he signs off here is true in our lives, And let me just read it all again to you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. If the understanding of this benediction is true in our lives, we would never, and I gave you three things, you can write them down if you want. First off, if this benediction is true in our life. The first thing, we would never question His instructions. If this benediction is true in our life, 
there is not a single time I would question the instructions of God. Because who's wise? Whenever I question the instructions of God, it is when I am taking my wisdom and comparing it to God's. If I truly believe this benediction, I would never do it. But how often do we take our wisdom and compare it to God's? Has God really said? Does God really mean? I mean, is it going to hurt if I do it? (laughs) If we truly have that going on in our life, if we have that understanding of this benediction, we would never question His instructions. If God said it, I don't care if it rubs me wrong every which way. If God says, go this way and do this. If God says, this is my hand over here. If God says, this is what we need to accomplish. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Would never, never question it. One of the things I, I think about with, uh, with this is uh, when we're going through World War II, there's one of the islands that we sacrificed a lot of men to go get. I forget the name of the island now. Uh, some of the guys that Daryl might, Keith might, uh, be able to remember this. But there's this one, it's just a small strip, small strip, airstrip that was on the, on the island, but it was tiny. And we sacrificed a lot of men to take it. And there's a lot of questioning that went on among the men. Is this little strip of land worth it? Why don't we just go get the motherland, take care of that, and then just come back over here and, and mop up? Why are we sacrificing all of these men to take this little tiny strip of an island that really has nothing on it more than an airbase. And there was question that went on. But the higher-ups could not divulge why they were risking all these men, spending all this uh, blood to take this one little strip of an island. They couldn't tell anybody. They couldn't even tell some of the leaders that were over there. Some of them would even want to question, why are we doing this? And the reason for it was, was we had a secret weapon that we were deploying. And in order to deploy that secret weapon, we knew that the planes that were going to fly it only had so much range. They didn't trust it to, to go from anything further. They needed something close by. And that was the island they were going to launch it from. They needed that strip. And when they finally took the island... And they brought the things on board. They put two bombs on two different planes and let them leave two different locations. I think they were a few days apart. And the first one went over to, well, I'm not sure if it's the first one, but the two planes went to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And we dropped the atomic bombs on those cities. Yeah, I think it was like two or three days in between, but I don't think it was much more than that. The idea, we only had two of those bombs. We only had two. They knew they had to hit them in quick succession. The people were questioning them, why did, you, why did you not let them respond after seeing the first one? The reason was, they said, if, if we let too much time go on, it may become, they may realize we only have two of these. <laughs> we have to have the effect that we can do this again as many times as we need. It was so devastating to the Japanese people that they surrendered. But they were prepared to fight to the death of each man 
that was over there. That would have cost a lot of American lives and a lot of innocent citizens who were not warriors on the Japanese mainland and islands along the way. There would have been a lot more bloodshed. But they said the only way we can do it is if we take that strip. But we can't let anybody know what's going on because it was a very secret mission. And I believe when they launched the mission, they called Congress in. They had to announce it to Congress that they were doing it. And so they locked the doors. They announced it a, a short time before it was be dropped. I don't know what it was, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, something. It was a very short period of time, and they would not let anyone leave the room. That's how much trust they had in Congress. And then they, they dropped the bombs, and then they surrendered, and then no more fighting had to go on. But that was their idea. Let's, let's try and get this thing over with and uh, get back on to the, to the healing part, which they did. What was that? Was it Iwo Jima? Oh, yeah, I remember the, that was a bloody one. Iwo Jima was tough. Yeah, I remember that statue, yeah. But no one could, these leaders didn't know. They had to submit to an authority, but they had every reason to question it. Every single reason that it, it was there, they could, they could question it. God very often sees things, has plans for things that we don't always see. But don't question his instructions. The second one was don't question his instructions and don't question his ability to do as he has said. He has the ability to do it. Don't question his ability. I was thinking, uh, I put it in the Facebook post. If anybody did see this, there's a particular movie that I remember seeing. I only saw this movie once. I don't think I saw it twice. But it was a good movie. And uh, I remember a lot of parts of it because it was a really good movie that I, that I remember. And uh, it was The Bodyguard. Anybody ever seen The Bodyguard? Yeah. Uh, I liked it because I think Kevin Costner is just a phenomenal actor. And any excuse to hear Whitney Houston sing in my book is worth it. <laughs> she, she, and she had a number of songs in there just for, yeah, I mean, knock them out of the park type of a song. And so it was just a great movie for that. And in fact, in doing this, I actually went and, and, uh, and viewed her singing this thing again. And the one in the movie way outclasses a one she did later on, a live performance. It was just like, that movie one was phenomenal. But as I was, a reason I thought about that particular movie was the, the movie was about that she was a singer and she needed a bodyguard and Kevin Costner was the bodyguard. And she was a difficult person to guard because she wouldn't submit to the things he said to do. He said, don't go out here and do this. And she would sneak out and get out there and do it and put her life at, at risk. And every time that he would say, don't do something, she would go out there and do it. And eventually, I think, uh, it's been a while since I've seen this movie, but he eventually said, we've got to take you out and just isolate you until we figure out who it is that's trying to kill you. And they ended up following them up over there. And uh, anyway, it was a whole number, number of things. He eventually took a bullet for her <laughs> in the end before uh, trying to protect her and finally convinced her that he had her best interest in mind, that he was trying to protect her. But she didn't think that all along, along the way. And she kept questioning everything that he was doing and trying to sidestep everything that he was doing to protect her. So he couldn't protect her. He kept trying to get her to understand this. I can't protect you if you don't listen. 
See, this is what God wants us to understand. He cannot protect us if we don't listen. This word there, he is able to keep, involves submission. If I don't submit, then he can't keep. But if I will submit to his greatness, to his ability, he is able to keep me from ever falling. And actually, the, this, uh, this word here, it can be talked about solid footing. That he will put you on such solid footing if you will listen to him, if you will submit to him, he will have you on such solid footing that you won't fall. You won't stumble and you won't fall. Here's number three. First, we would never quite, if we never, we would never question his instructions or his ability to do as he has said and we would truly be kept from stumbling. If we would just do that. But what happens is we begin to suspect that maybe, maybe he's not quite as wise as, as I was led to believe. Maybe his word isn't quite as true as I was meant to believe. And maybe this person isn't evil even though they fit the description that Jude gives. Because I really like this person. And I really get excited at some of the things that they're teaching. But they seem to fit the description that Jude's talking about. But maybe, maybe they're not as evil as uh, Jude was, is implying. So, maybe this person isn't evil, even though they fit the description. Maybe I can get what they are saying in an easier way than God said. Maybe somebody gets up there and says, all right, well, God has said to, that this comes this way. And somebody else gets up there and said, well, here's an easier way to get that. Well, that sounds like a, I like that. And God wants me to have that for the kingdom. So I'll pursue that. That's why you get some of those nutcases that come out doing some of the things in prophecy. Let's just bypass that whole thing about how God wills. Let's just do it so I can will. Ridiculous. Maybe this is greater wisdom than I have heard be before. Maybe these things that these people are teaching, maybe this is greater wisdom than I've ever heard before. This is, this is getting me thinking. And the, the enemy, he begins to sow thoughts. You know, that, that person you're listening to over there, they just, they're to, they just won't get outside of the Word of God. But there's other things that are going to help you. Maybe... They are of a right spirit, even though my spirit and or my instruction from the word tells me otherwise. But you see, I like them. They are a likable person. No, don't do it. Don't follow after those things. Trust in the wisdom of God. He has given us lists not only here in Jude, but he's given us lists in other places that help us identify who false people are. Understand if a person... Fits the description, more than likely, the Word of God is right. In fact, the Word of God is right. Just know it. God is wise. If He put these things in there, that's where it is. Just, just know it. Don't try and question it. God has told us how to tell false prophets, false teachers, false brethren. 
If I listen to what he has told me, I will not stumble. I will not fall if I will listen. In this book here in Jude, he identified the problem. He told you how to tell when those people are around. And he told you how to build yourself up and get yourself ready so that they cannot tear you down or weaken you. If we'll do the simple things that are in this one chapter, <laughs> it's amazing, 25 verses, one chapter, short book, short letter, if we can do those things, we can keep ourselves from ever falling, from ever stumbling. It's great that he is able to present us faultless, but how much better is it to live in this life without stumbling and without falling? granddaughter was showing me her her knee over the weekend. She had stumbled and fallen on a stone parking lot. And boy, she stumbled and fell pretty good too because that knee was all chopped up. <laughs> had a band-aid on it. I said, boy, it looks like you could use more than one band-aid. She said, that's all I had. <laughs> so they were going to get some more, more band-aids, but isn't it better if we don't stumble and we don't fall? Sure, there, we can get fixed up and we can get repaired. But oh, it's better if we don't do it. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't want us to stumble. He doesn't want us to fall. The enemy is constantly working on us to get us to become dissatisfied with the truth. To get us to think there is greater wisdom outside of what God's word says. But there isn't. And if he is going to keep us, it does require a submission on my part to him. I may not understand it, but God, I don't have to understand as long as I know that you said this. Father, I thank you for your words, the wisdom that you give us in this book. It's your desire for us is that we would not stumble and fall. And as Jude stated in the beginning, he had a desire to write a letter to them on a whole other matter area, whole other matter, but then suddenly felt compelled to urgently get this to them because of the people that were creeping in to their presence, to their fellowship, to warn them, to give them what they needed, that they would spot them, that they couldn't drag them down the wrong way. In our day, there are certainly people that are false. There are false brethren. There are false teachers. There are false prophets. There are false people all around trying to get us to follow a different way. They work their way to become a part of us, pass themselves off as followers of God, lovers of the things that are true but are not content until they have pulled us away from your word, from the faith, and out of the love of God to go in a different direction. These same people are in our midst today, but we do not need to fear them, for you are well able to keep us from ever stumbling, from ever falling. 
And I thank you. That's the kind of God we serve. And that you are always looking out for us and watching. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.